Here comes the ominous shadow of Western Empire letting loose on the outside of Comfort Me. Pike's hardly flinched. 150 left to go. And the hot pot storms up, grab the lead. This is all over. It's all over, bar the shouting. The Empire reigns supreme. Western Empire won it by four. That is William Pike's big day, fourth railway stakes, and it was on Western Empire. And the Wizard from the West joins us on the Sporting Capital here on SEN. Tim Gossage with you, Pikey. Well done, mate. What a weekend. Yeah, no, thank you. No, it um, went probably better than I could have hoped, so uh, I'm pretty happy with the things at the moment. Do you get sick of talking about the day? I know you've been very busy and you've had a lot of media uh, following up from Saturday, but uh, do you get sick of talking about the day that was? No, not at all. Not not when there are days like that, and especially not if you win. Um, it's probably a little bit harder to talk about if, you, if you're beaten, but if you're the winner, I'm more than happy to, to talk about the good days for sure. Now, you were reluctant to speak. I stand corrected on this, Pikey. William Pike is our guest here on the Sporting Capital. You were reluctant to do media in the days leading up to the railway stakes. Can you give us a perspective or a reason why that was? Because you've been so giving of your time and so out there and so supportive of the carnival and the horses, um, and, and you're entitled not to speak. But was there a reason behind that reluctance this time around? I know, not really, other than I was probably just feeling the pressure a bit. Um, I've ridden plenty of favourites, I suppose, but never one quite so short in a Group One. And uh, it, just, just if I was be honest, I didn't really want to talk about it because I didn't want to think too much about it. Um, just because there was probably there was just that. Well, there's always a bit of pressure on a favourite, but there was just I don't know it just felt like a bit more. And I, as I said, I was just probably trying to avoid avoid dealing with it for as long as I could until um, until I had to. Hundred percent, totally agree. I, I, I was at the track on the weekend, and mate, from the time we arrived on course to the time that the race started, that's all they spoke about. And the first person I ran into when I came onto the track was Mel Peters, Melissa Peters, daughter of Bob and Bob, um, and they were nervy. They're at their table up there in the Flying Colours restaurant up there in the members. Uh, and that's the two words, Western Empire. It was, I've never been at a racetrack where a horse has been so spoken about in Western Australia. I, I could not believe it. Yeah, well, that, that's right. And um, I suppose that's one of the main reasons why I just was really trying to, um, well, I suppose it, a week's a long time to go without sleep, I guess. So I was uh, mainly trying to avoid it. And, and much the same for, for Mr. Peters. He's been in the game a long time and, uh, I'm I'm sure he was feeling the pressure as well. So just uh, just happy that we come away from it all looking pretty good. And and the horse, well, we all knew the horse was good, but um, yeah, he's he's every bit as good as we thought he was. Did you get out of second gear? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, I I popped him out in the clear and, and wound him right up. Uh, I didn't take any chances. Being being the sort of our premier Group One, and I believe the hardest one to win on our calendar. So yeah, I, I didn't take any chances. I got him out and I, I revved him right up. Um, maybe in hindsight, I would have loved to have tucked him in behind and saved something for the Kingston town coming up. But um, at, at the time I wasn't thinking about Kingston towns. I was thinking firmly about railway and getting in the clear. William Pike is our guest. Five winners on the weekend in a 10 race program and a fourth railway stakes with Western empire. When you go into the race meeting like that and you're expected to have a good day at the office, um, you talk about pressure 
and we talk about how short price that favourite was and everyone was talking about it being unbeatable, the perfect barrier, the perfect race and William Pike, the great jockey and all that sort of stuff. Can, do, how did you spend Saturday morning, William? Do you go through the form? Do you spend time with the kids and Jess? Did you drive out on the property? Did you get up and pick up the eggs? What did you do prior to getting to the track when William Pike arrives to go down and do business? Uh, I, I did the opposite. I did absolutely nothing. Um, I slept as long as I could. Uh, my family's really good. They're real supportive. Um, Jess, Jessica packed the kids up and she off, she rides track work for Grant Alana on Saturdays. Uh, so she packed them up and off they went and I had the whole house to myself and I did nothing. I didn't, I didn't look at chickens. I didn't look at nothing. Uh, I'd already done all the form that I wanted to do, uh, but you know, in the days leading up, I, I'd sort of done what I wanted to do and I was just really trying not to, um, overthink it. Uh, and like I said, I just went into it as, uh, tried to be as calm as I could, but I, I definitely, I definitely did, um, I wouldn't say I did a lot of form because I don't really do a lot of form, but I definitely did a lot of homework as far as I watched watch replay. I already knew a lot of my opposition. I've raced against them a lot already, but I made sure I went through and looked at each runner one more time just just to make sure everything was fresh in my mind. It was incredible. It was uh, it was the dream. I don't know the dream preparation, the dream ride, the best barrier. You just were it was sensational, mate. The crowd was buzzing. They love you, Pikey. How are you going with all of this and the and the the adulation? Because you're the you are the pinup boy. You're the wizard of the west. You know, it's uh, I get I get all that. Mind you, you left a few disappointed in the last race when you got rolled on the odds on favourite. But hey, you're allowed to have those type of rides. But I'm just going to ask you, how are you soaking this up? I mean, you're signing autographs and selfies. I mean. I tell you what, I hope you're getting a good earn from Perth Racing and Rower because what you're doing to racing and bringing people through the turnstiles and getting people on the East Coast where, the, where this is being heard, this interview right now, um, mate, hats off to you, Pikey. I mean, you, how are you dealing with the adulation? Oh, it definitely takes a lot to get used to. Um, I don't normally like... Well, I've got the handwriting of a, of a four-year-old and, um, <laughs> yeah, and I've got a head for radio, so... I don't know, I find it very awkward and, and quite difficult, but it's something I've had to learn to deal with and learn to, uh, I suppose, get better at over the years. Um, and, it, and it's gone to a crazy level that I didn't expect it ever could. Uh, but the only the only thing I do is I try and look at it as anything that's good for racing is, is good for me anyway. So if, uh, if that means taking a selfie with someone, I, I don't mind. Um, if it, I don't know, if... If there's something I can do, and a lot of it I don't really, I don't have to go in, out of my way. I'm, I'm probably walking in that direction anyway, and someone wants to stop for a selfie, no worries at all. If, if as long as I'm not in a rush to wait for the next race or something like that, I, I try my best to, I don't know. I always think maybe next year they won't even want to know my name. So while while they want to know my name, I'll, I'll probably enjoy it while I can. Yeah, dine out on it. Why not? I think you'll be around for a lot long yet. Mate, we've had a few texts, people saying, what did it feel like missing out coming over for Melbourne for the spring? I mean, obviously the, the borders, you, you took that, uh, you went across uh, with the border restrictions before, you didn't go this time. Um, was it a bit of a balancing act on, on yes, no, and you didn't want to miss out on Western Empire and the railway stakes? I mean, how did you, how did you rack it all up and decide what to do over the spring? Uh, it probably come down to a little bit to me procrastinating too much. Uh, you know, things do not wait over there. They people wanted to know there was 
there's quite a few offers and, and people were really, you know, the, the support that they offered me was fantastic. But I said right from the beginning, I don't want to go and, and park there for so long again. I, I was more than happy if I could do the fly-in, fly-out missions like I had before. I'd be more than happy to do something like that. But I just really didn't want to get stuck there for, you know, three, four, five, probably six months it would have been this time. Uh, I did, yeah, that just wasn't something I wanted to do again. It's fantastic, and and the racing is great, but um, yeah, it's probably. I, I was happy to let it go this year, just with all the uncertainty and things like that. And my hand was probably made early because because I couldn't give those commitments as early as people need them. Uh, it probably forced my hand, but I, I was happy for it. Probably I was probably happy for the decision to be taken away from me a little bit. Yeah, a couple more for you, Pikey. Really appreciate it. I know you've been on Media Street, mate, and you've been so good with your time. William Pike is our guest, the wizard from the West. This horse, Western Empire, 12 starts, seven wins, $1.2 million in stakes. He beat the locals hands down. We know how good he can be. Uh, you're not Bob Peters. You can't you know, decide where he goes, but I'm sure you could know what the opposition on the East Coast is like or where and how it would go over in the East. What do you think the future is for Western Empire? What sort of what sort if he where does he rate in gallopers that you've ridden for Bob? Oh he, yeah, he's definitely right up there. Uh, he's not as high as Arcadia Queen, and and for me he sits just behind Regal Power. Um, Regal Power did very similar to what he's done. They, they went from Derby into a railway stakes, and then ended up in an All Star Mile, which uh, Mr. Peters doesn't tell me any of his plans. But if I were to hazard a guess. That's what I'd imagine he'll probably aim for after this campaign. I'd imagine he'd aim for an all-star mile kind of preparation, similar mould to a regal power. And I think his ability is right up there. But when you when you start going into those races, you always need luck. Um, yeah, you always need something to go your way. And but he's yeah he's got the big engine, so I think you're halfway there. Yeah, he does. Um, mate, I know you've got the winner bottom stakes this week and, and the, you know, the, 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 the racing continues over there in Perth at Ascot. But just tell us, do, do, when, do, when do you get mentally fatigued of expectation where you're expected to win? You're expected to ride two, three and four winners a meeting and you're riding for the biggest stable and, uh, you know, and they're all big races and, you know, they just, just keep racking them up. When do you, how are you coping mentally more than physically and do you get a break and if you are going to take a break with the COVID world are you a are you a broom type of guy a Margaret River type of guy or you just lay on the lounge type of guy uh well the mental aspect um definitely has its ebbs and flows and ups and downs and I even just in particular even after a big day Saturday it's probably taken me a couple of days to you really, I should be getting around dancing and, and telling everyone how good I am, but I actually go the other way. I'm a little bit, little bit flat and a little bit, um, I'm not not unwell, but you know, you're you're a little bit deflated. I don't know why, but you had your big day and I've had great success, and then I kind of level out a bit and go pretty quiet. And um, and the expectation is probably what does that. It's probably hard to enjoy the races as much as you should when you're a dollar fifty. And, and rightfully so, the price, I guess. But it just made it a bit hard to enjoy because because of the pressure aspect, which which is fine. I'm not I'm not running scared of it. It is what it is. But um, so yeah, you definitely have your ups and downs. Even if you, even if you win, I still find I have a bit of downs. I don't know. That's just how my brain is. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but in in my downtime, I do. I think um, I think I'm definitely a bit more of a broom person. Um, the warm weather is definitely my go. I don't know why. I'm a I'm a pasty white fella, but I, I like the heat. <laughs> you do, you do. Um, when you cross the line on the weekend, was it was it is it with Western Empire on the railway? Is it is it a genuine? Whew, I'm glad that's done. Um, with, with him was probably a, a little bit better than, um, say, say an Arcadia Queen in the Kingston town a few years ago. I really, that when I went over the line on her, I really let out a sigh of relief. Where this time around, I did feel the winner a long way from home. I, I still have my guard up a little bit because I, I don't ever like to try and drop drop my eye on the prize and always worry someone might get me late. But realistically, I knew in the back of my mind that wasn't going to happen. And I definitely did get to enjoy the run to the line a little bit more than some of my other ones. Uh, some of the others were a lot closer finishes and I couldn't enjoy them. But And, and, and Arcadia Queen was probably the only one who's, who's romped to a victory quite like he did. And that was definitely one of the first real pressure cookers I ever had. So that one was a sigh of relief and this one was definitely a lot more. Um, I, the pressure was there leading up, but I, I from probably about the 600 metre mark onwards, I, I enjoyed it. Brilliant, mate. And and as I mentioned, win the bottom stakes Saturday. Um, another day with whatever. What's today? We're only on Monday, so you you get all your rides confirmed, I'm sure, by by sort of Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, you're looking for another big day. It's going to be hard to top. Yeah, it's going to be hard to top. And um, this is this has been a real tricky race for me. I've run a few places in it. I won it before it was a Group One, but since they put a Group One tag on it, I haven't been able to grab it. Um, so I said a few placings, which is Bit frustrating, but uh, I've got a good chance. I'm on Graceful Girl. Um, Elite Street's going to be very hard to beat. It looks looks like he's sort of, he um, looks his race to, to lose really. But uh, we run second to him last start, and another hundred metres will work in my favour. But all I know is I'm on the horse that has the right attitude, and she will attack the line. Uh, just whether or not I can catch him, we'll find out on the day. You're a legend. Well played, mate. Uh, it was great to watch, great to be a part of. Uh, even when the horses were coming down into the mounting yard at, at Ascot and the national anthem was being sung and, and it was a big crowd and there was a lot of noise and there was a lot of people singing the national anthem. It had a real Melbourne Spring Carnival vibe to it, uh, the races on the weekend, and you the major player, the headline act, along with the horse and the Peters family and, and Grant and Alana, mate. Congratulations. Well played and may the, the wins continue. And thank you for taking time in your incredibly busy media street uh, uh, diary to take time to chat with our audience here on sports, the sports capital uh, in in Melbourne. Uh, no, not a problem at all. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, anyway, we've got a few meetings to go, so hopefully I can hold my form from here through. And yeah, hopefully I'm not just living off the the one good day. Hopefully I can bag. Oh, there's one. more than one good day, <laughs> Pikey. Back, Pike. Drink what you like. Good on you, legend. Thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. No, thank you. There he is, William Pike. Uh, he's very humble. He's very humble, but he is just mighty. He got beaten on the last. I know I was at the ground, uh, at the track, and there was a lot of people just going, oh, God has chosen, got beat as an odds-on favourite, and he got held up. And But you know what? How can you be angry after he rides five winners and produces the day like he did over there? Are you a Pike fan? Love to know your feedback. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 I know there's some SEN track listeners who come across and listen to the show right now. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Where does he rate William Pike in your 
in your diary of, of jockeys, where does he sit alongside the best of the best here in Melbourne and or on the East Coast? We know James McDonald had, you know, the 10 winners uh, at the carnival, beating that of Preble. We know that Damien Oliver and Craig Williams and a whole lot of others, and Jamie Carr at her best has certainly got to be in the conversation. But where do you put the wizard from the West, William Pike? one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or temper text on the temper Text machine, temper a mattress like no other, 0433 98 1116. Where do you put William Pike? This is the Sporting Capital. Tim Gossage in the chair, thanks for your company. Sammy and Matt pulling it all together, of course, as we do on this Monday night on the Sporting Capital, 1300 736 736. And the temper text machine, a mattress like no other, 0433 98 1116. Brett Phillips with the first serve coming up after 8 o'clock. As we tried to get to a little earlier, we had a few technical problems with the Craig McRae grabs, but he has spoken, the new coach of Collingwood, about the current situation when he expects to see Jordan Dugowie uh, around the Collingwood camp. Here is Craig McRae from earlier in the day. Well, time will tell on that. There's a bit to play out. Um, yeah, I think this is a little bit you know, premature to, to, to say whether he'll be back here training and the like, but um, one, one thing I will say is that um, just touching base with Geordie regularly to make sure he's okay and maybe over my journey working with some great coaches I've learned that you, know, you just want to uh, make sure the person's okay and care for the person in particular first. Oh, one thing I've probably learned over this period in particular is you know, just be patient, let the facts come, come before you pass in judgement and um, so I, again I'll just let that take its own course but um, more concerned about Geordie's wellbeing. Short and sharp, Craig McRae on the situation with uh, troubled star Jordan Dugowie. Still has a, a court case uh, looming back there in the States. Another short moment from Craig McRae about the skipper, Scott Pendlebury, and uh, his future as captain. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I'm sort of repeating what I've said uh, publicly before. You know, it's up to Pendles to decide what his future is as the captain. I'll give him the space to do that. I haven't put a time frame on yet, but... Um, based on what we're seeing here, he's pretty hungry to lead, regardless if he has a title or not. Craig McRae on Scott Pendlebury. So, um, yeah, it might be time to hand over the captaincy reins, but you know that you're going to get plenty of leadership from Scott Pendlebury. Let's change tack a little bit. Let's go to the CEO of Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley. He's talking about the double vaccination, of course. Uh, we're already going to miss out on Roger Federer and a couple of other big names who won't be coming to the Australian Open. And there's a lot of talk about Novak Djokovic. But here is the CEO of Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley, on the need for all players to be vaccinated. A lot of speculation about vaccination and just to be really clear, when the Premier announced that everyone on site, that's the fans, all the staff and all the players will need to be vaccinated in order to participate in the Australian Open, we made that again clear to the playing group. What was great about it is at that point there was only about 50% of the players that had been travelling that were vaccinated. So over the last six weeks that number's gone to well above 80% and has continued to track towards 100%. And there's been a lot of speculation around Novak's position. He has noted that and said publicly that it's a private matter for him. But we would love to see Novak here. He knows he has to be vaccinated in order to play. He's won the Australian Open nine times. I think he'd love to make it a double digit to win it ten times. Craig Tiley, CEO of Tennis Australia. And just a reminder that after the top of the hour, Brett Phillips with the first serve, having all things covered there. We might get another breakaway. We'll come back. Cal Toomey's Phantom Draft has been released. We've gone through 30 through to 10. We'll have his top 10 
Who does Kel Toomey think will go where? The top 10 looks pretty cut and dry for mine, but Kel Toomey is the expert. You're listening to the Sporting Capital here on SEN 1300 736 736 or temper text away 0433 98 To the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tim Gossage in the chair for Sammy Hargraves. I'll be back on your radio tomorrow night as well. one 736 Or temper text away, a mattress like no other. 0433 Been a very busy show and your feedback and input has been greatly appreciated. The top 10 draft picks, according to Cal Toomey, phantom draft. He doesn't get far wrong. And this is a young man who has the draft on his Wheaties in the morning. He has it in his Milo at night, and he wakes up in a hot, cold lather of sweat in the middle of the night, thinking draft, draft, and in particular, the top 10. So we've given you 30 through to 10. Coming in at number 10, he believes Matthew Johnson from... The Subiaco Football Club over in Perth will go to the Fremantle Dockers. At number nine, Josh Gibkus, Richmond. At number eight, the forward from East Perth over there in Perth, Jai Amos, will also go to Fremantle. At seven, Josh Ward will go to Hawthorne. At six, Josh Rochelle will go to Adelaide. Tell you what, if your name's Josh and you're in the top ten. At number five, Mac Andrew to the Gold Coast. At number four, no shock, the Pies will match the Gold Coast bid for Nick Dacos. At three, Finn Callaghan will go to GWS. At two, Sam Darcy, the Dogs will match the GWS bid and they'll leave him alone at pick one, North Melbourne, Jason Horn, hyphenated Francis. Horn Francis at one, Darcy to the Dogs at two, Callaghan to GWS, three. Dacos to the Pies, four. Andrew to the Gold Coast, five. Rochelle to Adelaide, six. Ward to Hawthorne, seven. Amos to Fremantle, eight. Gibkiss, Richmond, nine. And Johnson, Fremantle, ten. Agree? Disagree? Do you like it? one 736 736 Or temper text away. Love to get some more text before the top of the hour. Brett Phillips comes in with the first serve. A mattress like no other. The temper text number is 0433981116. Ben Graham. Well, there's plenty going on in the world of gridiron or NFL football uh, this morning. And uh, Ben Graham was across it all. And he spoke on Waitley about a whole range of NFL subjects. Every morning, every Monday morning, there's been at least one jarring result. And this morning's result is the Bills getting whacked by the Colts. Not so much losing, but losing 41-15, if you've watched this this morning. Well, there have been question marks over the Buffalo Bills for a few weeks now. And I called it the upset of the decade when they got beaten by the Jaguars two weeks ago. But that was because they were poor on offense, even though they were reasonable on defense. But This particular game this morning, it was three phases of the game. They were poor on offense. Josh Allen threw a couple of interceptions. They were poor on defense, allowing the Colts to score 41 points. Special teams, they 
fumbled kickoff returns. Even the officiating didn't go their way, which is never an excuse. But this is more about the Colts, I think. The Bills, they were ordinary. They still will be there in the playoff picture. But in the AFC East, we'll talk about the Patriots in a minute. But this is about the Colts. The Colts have now won six of the last eight. Their two losses were only to the Ravens by six points and the Titans in overtime. They are rolling on offense, thanks to Jonathan Taylor, who scored five touchdowns, Jared, four rushing, one receiving. But this game was in Buffalo, and this is a statement win by the Indianapolis Colts. So the Colts are hot, and the Patriots are hot. That that was true last Monday morning and then got reinforced through the, the Thursday night game. Well, they are, and they're two teams in the AFC that know how they are best to play football, how their game plans are designed, how well coached they are. They know where their bread's buttered. Whereas you talk about the Titans and even the Bills, I've never seen Josh Allen rushed so much. It's limited time. The Colts' defensive line aren't the best defensive line in football, but they found a way to unsettle Josh Allen. But when you talk about the Titans and the Chiefs and the Chargers, you know, the Ravens, there's a lot of uncertainty around those teams. But to see the Colts and the Patriots build the way they have slowly throughout the season to be where they are, they're going to trouble some teams down the stretch, that's for sure. But the big upset of the morning, Jared, the Tennessee Titans, mm-hmm. the 8-2 and two Tennessee Titans at home against a division rival in the AFC South, and that's the Houston Texans, the 1-8 and eight. Houston Texans. The Titans have the longest winning streak in the NFL currently at six before this game. No one saw this coming. It was a debacle in Tennessee for Titans fans. Now, I always talk about, especially in the NFL, you can have one poor performance. We've all been there. Now, maybe in an 18-week season, you may have two poor performances, but this is the Tennessee Titans. After some of their wins that they've had this year against some good football teams to lose to a poor football team like the Houston Texans was an embarrassment for the Tennessee Titans. They will lead the AFC after this round by a game, but the way they lost Ryan Tannehill with four interceptions, allowing Tyrod Taylor to run amok at quarterback for the Texans. They'll wake up tomorrow morning, still one game clear in the AFC, but it's, this is the upset of the year so far. The thriller was the the Vikings being the Packers at the death. So the Packers, what were they eight and two coming in? So they do they squander one here, getting beaten by a field goal. Well, this was a tough game to pick. I did lean with the Packers on the back of their defense. They've been really really good the last six weeks. The Packers defense, but the Vikings at home they got away to a good lead. Kirk Cousins coming into this game, eighteen touchdowns and two interceptions. Well, he only got better today against this Packers defense. They got away to a good lead. Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, was extraordinary, 169 yards and a couple of touchdowns. But in Aaron Rodgers' fashion, he did have a comeback. Devontae Adams with a couple of touchdowns. They retook the lead with two minutes to go. Kirk Cousins threw an interception on the final drive, but it was overruled, deemed an incomplete pass. And they put Greg Joseph into field goal range, who scored a field goal to pinch this one. An important game more so for the Vikings. Like the Titans, the Packers can afford 
to lose a game at this point in the season, but it's a tough pill to swallow against a division rival. It put the Vikings now in the NFC playoff picture. The Vikings haven't been as bad as their record would suggest. Five really close losses this season, but it was a, it was a, a good performance by the Vikings and Kirk Cousins in particular. But for the Packers, they'll get Aaron Jones back. They will plenty more wins for them down the stretch, but it's just another example of the NFL closing up at this time of the season where your leaders and your division get beaten and you're in the pack teams like the Vikings get a win. The ghoul in me was drawn to the scores ticking over the Browns and the Lions, pondering what would happen if Cleveland did lose at home to Detroit. They won 13-10, so they wriggled out of what would have been a desperate scenario. Oh, especially when you think Jared Goff was out for the Lions. They couldn't get across the line last week against the Steelers, but the Browns are the most inconsistent team in football. They've gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win in the last six weeks, but when you look at the AFC North, the Ravens snuck home against the Bears. The Steelers play the Chargers uh, later on. Um, the Bengals are currently playing against the Raiders, and the Browns sneak one over them in against the Lions. None of them have a losing record. They're the most inconsistent yeah. division in football at the moment. But extraordinary week 11 still throws up some amazing results. So the next time we'll talk, it, we may well be in Super Bowl week. Um, is it as wide open a season as we've had in recent times? Are there, are there a couple of teams that you absolutely expect to be there or could it be, could we get anything from here? This is the most open NFL season I can remember. Yeah. And even it's changed in the last month. We know the AFC is wide open and the best teams in the AFC, like the Bills and the Ravens and the Titans, are struggling. And you've got the the rest of the AFC, really, anything could happen in the AFC. But I, a month ago, we said it doesn't matter who wins the AFC because the NFC will win the Super Bowl. Yeah. But now the Rams dropped a couple of games to 7-3. and three. The Cardinals are in Seattle and yes, they're eight and two, but they're without Murray and Hopkins. But yet, no one really trusts them or are talking about them as a Super Bowl team. The Packers drop a game. The Cowboys. Well, I think that the Chiefs will win this one, um, but the Cowboys are thereabouts. But even the NFC is opening right up, where it's not a fait complete like we once thought. This is going to be a fascinating season, Jared. You enjoy your break, and hopefully, we do see you in Super Bowl week in LA. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Tim Gossage in the chair for the last 11 minutes. So you can have got time if you've just got something on your chest. one 736 736 and you want to get it off your chest, give us a call. one 736 736 or temper text away. Temper, a mattress like no other. 0433981116. A couple of Shield games being played and day one of the test between Sri Lanka and the West Indies in Gaul. In fact, day two, sorry. Day two has just started. So day one, um, I can tell you that uh, Karuna Ratney made 147, Dasua made 61 and Chandamol made 45. Uh, the best with the ball for the West Indies was Roston Chase. 28.5 overs, took five for 83. And Jomo Warrican three for 87. So 386 and the West Indies are at the crease and they are no wicket 
for no runs on day two. Sheffield Shield game. And it is, of course, Stumps. And that game is Stumps after day three. And it will be, as it turns out, New South Wales 233 and are now two for 76. And that is New South Wales lead Victoria by 38 with eight wickets remaining at the crease. Curtis Patterson 43 and Moses on Reeks on six. And if you have a look at the Victorian first inning, so New South Wales made 233. Victoria all out for 271. Travis Dean carried his bat 144 not out of 300 balls with 15 boundaries. Uh, there was a few ducks. It was duck season. Seymour, duck. Hanscom, duck. Harper, duck. Crone, duck. Parker, duck. There you go. And there were single digits. Short, two. Perry, seven. And Crouch, one. Three blokes got all the runs. Apart from Short making two and the seven and the one. So Travis Dean, 144 not. Jonathan Merlo made uh, 64. And James Pattinson, he made 45. He did. New South Wales in their second dig. And Hughes, Duck, Jilks, 18. Curtis Patterson, 43 not. And Moses Enriques, six not out. Now, the other Shield game is between Tasmania and Western Australia. Um, and I can tell you that in that game, Tasmania trail Western Australia. WA 9 declared for 405. Tasmania in response after two days at Blundstone Arena, a two for 210. So WA made 405. Sam Whiteman, 176 not out. Darcy Short, 67. Josh Philippi, 53. And Jai Richardson, 43. Best of the bowlers for Tassie. Three wickets to Gay Bell. Three wickets to Lawrence Neal-Smith, Peter Siddle, the veteran, two for 62. Yes, a lot of ducks on the temper text. There was ducks galore. In response, Tasmania, two for 210. Caleb Jewell, good on you, Caleb, 102. And Tim Ward, continuing his good season, 86. Not our batsman, Joachim and McDermott are both at the crease as it stands right now. Jai Richardson, the only West Australian to take wickets. He bowled 19 overs, eight maidens, two for 36. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has been sacked by Manchester United. Have a listen. Nope, don't have that either. We're still having audio problems there, unfortunately. Hopefully that gets rectified for later shows. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager of Man U. They've lost four of their last five. They lost four one to, of course. Yeah, we're not going to that. Okay, thank you. So uh, there we go. So the audio is not up and running, contrary to what I was expecting. But anyway, that's all good. That's all good. Hey, tomorrow night we're going to dig deep and we're going to delve right in for the draft and see. Uh, basically get the last word on the AFL draft because it does take place on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, going to be a big couple of days for a lot of young men in the AFL system. Some tried and tested who are looking for some 
uh, mature age moments in their footy club or the youngsters. And, of course, it's got to be remembered, not a lot of footy has been played for the Victorian boys. The South Australians and the West Australians certainly got a, sh- a chance to show their wares uh, in three games. It'll be interesting to see how the draft uh, and list managers view that, of course, after what has been a pretty crazy year. Again, our second year of craziness with COVID and the possibility of looking at some youngsters in the draft as well. We'll dissect the day's issues. We'll check in with all the cricket. Keep an eye on that as we count down to the first test, of course. Big Bash season not far away. The NBL Blitz resumes on uh, resumes uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Of course, down there in Tassie, all the teams down there. We might check in with one of our basketball experts as well. So we've got plenty, plenty to get through uh, tomorrow night's show, of course. And, of course, you can always get in touch with any of us here on SEN, 1300 736 736, or text away 433 98 on the temper text machine. If you missed any of our interviews or missed any of the shows on SEN, right around the network, right around the country, you can always do the catch-up. Get onto the podcast, get onto sen.com.au, download them, like them, subscribe to them, and listen to them. Anyway, yep, I don't know how the Jack Jumpers lost to Adelaide by 21 points in front. Uh, anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, thank you, Goss. It took a West Aussie to give out the New South Wales Victorian score. Well done to Travis Dean. Ah, we're a national environment. Have a good day. Well done to the team who pulled the show together.